So excited uh, to be uh, sharing with you all here this morning. And uh, Kondo is going to be back up with us sharing next Sunday. And, and let's be honest, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Um, I mean, you know, Kondo is amazing. He's the best. And so obviously we're excited about that. But uh, I don't know if you've heard, but the Atlanta Falcons are in the Super Bowl. And uh, it would probably be disastrous to have me teach next week. Like, I, you know, I don't know where my mind and heart will be. And, and who knows what I may accidentally say in the moment. And so I think it was just the Lord's provision and protection to not have me on uh, next Sunday, because I would. I'd be so super obnoxious about it and, and just unapologetic. And you guys would be like, just could you pack this guy back up and send him back to Georgia? Because, you know, I'd squeeze in every Falcons reference I could and just make things up. Like, you know, we're going to rise up and soar on wings of Falcons. Like, that's not even how the verse goes, but it's probably how I would, would teach it. So, uh, you know, so, so good to, uh, to not have me up next week. Um, Jacob Moeller, one of our SOS high school students, he sent me, uh, this graphic this week, which I just, uh, absolutely love. Um, so yeah, this is the, this is our current, uh, fan basis as we head into the Super Bowl. And uh, so I fit in that tiny, tiny little sliver of people who were born and raised and, and bred on Atlanta Falcons football, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia native, uh, rooted them for them my whole life. And then the rest of you are sitting in this other huge part of the pie. And again, I just want you to know, I welcome you with open arms. There's more than enough room on the bandwagon, plenty of Southern hospitality to pass around. So, uh, you know, Barrett family, I love you guys, but I'm sorry your team's won 40 Super Bowls. It's time to crown a new champion. So we'll get excited about that. Well, you are joining us for uh, part four of this series that we are calling What to Wear. And in this series, uh, we have resisted to the urge to delve into our keen sense of fashion and explore the latest looks coming off of the New York and Paris runways. And in fact, we've been exploring this passage of scripture, which discusses the outfit that God has created for us as his followers to wear. And as we've discussed, if you are a follower of Jesus, you already possess this outfit. You have it. But for many of us, we've left it hanging in our spiritual closet, so to speak. And for some of us, we just haven't really known how to use it. And why does it matter? Well, because we are in a war. And as we've discussed, it's this spiritual war, this battle that is facing us, that is coming after us, the powers of darkness that are looking to not only distract us in our faith, but to absolutely destroy us. And this outfit, this armor of God properly worn and used could lead us to not only standing firm against the schemes of the devil, but as we've discussed, it can set us up to absolutely win the year. Now, this is a passage that I can remember being read to me as a kid growing up, something that I've heard over and over and over again. And as long as I can remember uh, trips into the Christian bookstore where we would pass by the armor of God uh, playset. And I, I think we have a picture of this thing. And, um, you know, we'd walk by this thing and, and I just kind of keep moving as I'd hear my mom say, Ooh, armor of God costume. Like that would win the fall festival costume thing. You know, you know, the alternative Christian Halloween thing where you dress up and still eat candy, but the candy wasn't poisoned by the neighborhood hoodlums, you know, because that's what you've got to do. And you know, the streets of Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta were super dangerous in the eighties. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, so grateful for those 
moments. And I just remember this sort of image of this is what I had in my mind when I would think about the armor of God. And so for a long time for me, this passage just didn't seem very helpful or powerful because I always kind of just equated it to these cheap, flimsy pieces of plastic, this costume that was at the Christian bookstore. What good does this passage do for us anyway? As we've studied together, it's just been so exciting. And there's just been this new opening and awakening in my own eyes and my own heart of a new perspective of processing this. And so cool to just see and hear people committing this passage uh, to memory. Titus, unbelievable job. That was just so cool. And just love hearing how this passage is being used to change our perspective as a community. People have shared with me as they've gone through their days, they're starting to see the battle for what it is. And they're starting to look at people just a little bit differently as not the person that they are warring with, but as spiritual beings in need of hope and need of a savior. And last week, oh my goodness, as Kondo unpacked the breastplate of righteousness, how good was that? If you didn't hear that, please, please go back to the website and, and check that out. Well, we're going to continue on. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll continue our journey through the armor. Well, in the late 80s, Spike Lee joined Michael Jordan as the hype man for the Air Jordan shoe line as the character Mars Blackman. And we have a, a picture when this, this campaign began. And um, anybody remember this thing? It's just some of the best commercials that had ever been made at that time. And in one of the commercial spots, Mars asks Jordan, he says, I'm here with my main man, money, Michael Jordan. Mike, what makes you the greatest player on the world, in the world? What makes you the greatest player in the world? Is it the vicious dunks? Is it the haircut? Is it the long shorts? It's the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. And throughout this commercial, Michael Jordan's, you know, just kind of sheepishly standing there, you know, next to, to Mars and no Mars, no Mars. Is it the haircut? No Mars. Is it the shorts? No Mars. It's the shoes. It's got to be the shoes. No Mars. It's not the shoes. And while Air Jordans may not have made Michael Jordan the greatest player in the world, we can all probably venture a guess that if Michael Jordan had played without his shoes, as in no shoes, he probably would have struggled to play the game and not have been nearly the dominant player that he was. In fact, uh, about a week ago, a Drury University student from Missouri, uh, freshman guard Lexi Vaught, lost her shoe during last Saturday's game against Rockhurst University. And she learned very quickly the importance of her shoes. Instead of stopping to put her shoe back on, she decided to just play through. And she should not have done that. Let's take a look. Oh, man, so vicious. Um, 
But hey, seriously, so good to see Lexi and her teammates having fun with this moment on their social media and for her to be such a good sport in the midst of her absolutely unfortunate viral moment. And she's been on Sports Center and all kinds of things. So uh, she, she's been great about it. And while Michael Jordan was right in saying his shoes didn't make him the greatest player in the world, Lexi learned very quickly that not wearing shoes is a major liability that can have you face planting on the floor three times. <laughs> well, when it comes to the armor of God, the role of our shoes are meant to save us from having our own Lexi kind of moment. Now let's take a uh, look. Let's start in verse 14 and then we will work our way forward. Ephesians 6 verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians as a prisoner of Rome from a Roman prison. So I imagine that as he's spending his time writing this out, he is looking out at the Roman soldiers who are guarding him, observing their armor as he translates it into this passage. So when he's talking about our feet being fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, I can only imagine that he's likely studying the sandals of the closest Roman guard. Now, these sandals, and we have have a picture of our our best guess of the likeness of these. These sandals were open-toed, heavy sandals with leather straps that would wrap around the foot, the ankle, and the shins. And then on the sole, the bottom of the sandal, would be these thick hobnail studs. And they were like ancient football cleats, except that they weren't designed to to run, to sprint. In fact, they were quite heavy and incredibly difficult to run in. Their primary purpose of the shoes was for the soldier to dig in to the battlefield, to prevent them from sliding. It made the soldier steady and immovable, helped them to maintain their ground. Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And as we've discussed, this armor has so much to do with what it means to be prepared for the spiritual war, the battle that we are facing. And here in verse 15, we see one of the primary points of the shoe is readiness. Be ready. Be prepared. Don't be surprised. Don't lose your ground. Be ready. But how does one become ready? Well, we see it spelled out in the verse. Where does this readiness come from? Readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The readiness comes from the gospel. It's in the gospel that we find the power to stand. Much like the hobnails that would dig into the battlefield for the soldier, the gospel provides staying power for us in the spiritual battle. Without firm footing in the gospel, we are prone to slip and fall as the enemy wages its war and attacks. And yet, isn't it so interesting that in a passage solely devoted to talking about war and and armor and this battle with the enemy, a, a colossal fight with evil, that the gospel is labeled as the gospel of peace. We are in a war, but firm footing, the firm footing we are to, to hold on to and to, to put into play was an instrument of peace. And I want, to spend, I want us to spend the rest of our time today unpacking this idea. 
I believe that this idea of peace is, is very nuanced and, and layered. And in fact, I believe the shoes that are labeled the gospel of peace are about marching orders, giving us these marching orders where we have three directions with which we are to focus. And, and so we're going to unpack each one of those directions, and then we're going to take a moment to respond to each one of those. And the first is upward. The marching order, the direction is to head upward, and it is about peace with God. There's nothing more assuring in this world than being able to say that me and God, we are all good. He has nothing against me. He holds nothing against me. I have nothing to fear. My eternity is secure. Because on the flip side, there's nothing more terrifying than this idea of having God calling you an enemy with his pending judgment in your future. We were enemies of God because of our sin. We were deserving of his wrath. God's eternal judgment was our destiny. Every single one of us. There can't possibly be a more terrifying thought than being labeled as an enemy of God. I remember how terrified I would be when I would mess up and my mom would say, well, I called your dad. Just wait until he gets home. Oh man, instant regret. No, 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 no. Okay, mom, 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 I'll do anything. Please, 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 please. Just call him back. Just tell him after further review, the call on the field has been reversed. Like it's going to be all good. We're totally fine. (laughs) Please, please, please don't leave me in this position. This is a terrible place to be. I mean, that was a day wrecker, right? I mean, I couldn't enjoy much of anything knowing that I was on my dad's one person hit list and I had an appointment with the leather belt of justice. Like not going to be a good day. And yet for all of us, we've lived with this sense. Just wait till God gets back. Wait till God deals with the stuff that you've done. Ephesians chapter 2, just a few chapters before. Verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. The wrongdoings, the things that you have done against God, it has found you dead. Verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Again, reference to this enemy, the devil, the forces of evil. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Peace with God means he forgives my sins and he calls me friend. Imagine how ready we would be to do anything that he called us to do if we were freed up and no longer afraid of the most terrifying thing. 
When I'm no longer a slave to fear of death, I'm ready to change the world. And as Kondo said last week, and as we just sang, when we are in Christ, we are seen as righteous before our heavenly father. Me and God, the things between us, we are good. Romans 5.1, therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say this is true of you today? As you sit here today and you hear the sound of my voice, do you have peace with God through Jesus Christ? Listen, people come up with a million reasons why they're not ready to take that step to make that decision. I want to get my life together. I want to clean some things up. I can't come to God in the condition that I'm in. Look, these ideas, this thinking, these are the schemes of the devil that are at work in you and you are being lied to. Really quickly, back in this Ephesians 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It's not this work of cleaning ourselves up. It's God who's reaching down and he's pulling us from death to life. Because God accepts us just as We are. But he loves us too much to leave us there. Whatever issue you're facing, whatever thing you're imagining that is keeping you from having peace with God, God wants you to know that he is here to walk with you and through that. He does not want you to struggle alone. You are slipping and sliding all over the place like our basketball friend, Lexi. And God wants to give you some firm footing in the gospel. Yeah, Lexi is like so many of us, just striving to get back up, just trying to make it, to to play the game, to make the play. And she's just not going to make it. The game is moving too fast and the floor is just too slippery without her shoes. And if you're sitting here today and you do not have peace with God, you need to take a moment and put on your shoes. Ask God to forgive you of your sins, your wrongdoings. Tell him that you're tired of slipping and falling on your own and that from now on you trust him to pick you up. You trust Jesus with your life. As I said, we're going to take a moment to pause and to respond to some of these thoughts. And so right here, right now, we're going to take a moment to just pause and to open up a time to pray. And if you're here today and you do not have peace with God, I want you to take this moment because you can have that right here and right now. Don't wait. Don't be distracted. Don't let the devil deceive you. Just ask God to forgive you and tell him that you're ready to trust Jesus with your life. It's as simple as that. And he'll pick you up and he'll begin a new work in you. But in that moment, you will have peace with God. So in the quietness of our hearts, sitting in our seat, I'm going to take just a few moments to let us pray. And if you're sitting here and you're ready to to say that prayer, just go for it.
in your mind, in your heart. And for the rest of us who have already made that decision, made that step of faith, would you please pray for our friends in this room who need to hear the voice of truth and silence the lies of the evil one in their life. Let's pray for a few moments and then I'll, I'll pray and we'll continue on. Father, we have all been found dead in our transgressions and in our sins. But Lord, through your grace, through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have reached down and you have pulled us from death into life. And Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here who have trusted their lives with you. Thank you for the people who right now have just trusted their lives with you. Father, would you speak truth? Would you pour out a moment of just celebration and victory in their hearts? And God, would you help them to stand firm in the peace that they now have with you? And Lord, for those of us here who are are still Resisting your call, God, would you please continue to speak a word of truth? Would you offer hope? Would you offer light? In Christ's name, amen. Now that life-changing, eternity-altering step leads us to the next direction in our marching orders. First, we start upward towards peace with God, and now we march inward to peace of God. It's not just that the gospel brings peace with God. The gospel also brings me peace of God. And peace with God is an objective fact. It is a gift that he gives by you placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Having the peace of God is a subjective experience. It's something that must be pursued. It's something that must be asked for. It's something that comes the more that our faith takes root in our lives and our belief in, belief in him grows stronger than our circumstances. Shalom. Shalom is a word that our Jewish brothers and sisters use in their greeting and their farewell to each other. And it basically means peace be with you. But it means far more than just the English word and sense of peace. In this Word It actually comes from, from a, a root word that means wholeness. And the ancient way of thinking, wholeness was about connecting opposites. And that is why shalom would be used for the greeting and the farewell. It's the connecting of the coming and the going. And when you give connection to life's comings and goings, you begin to see and sense wholeness. Life has meaning. It's not all random, but rather it's a tapestry of stories that's being woven together by the master storyteller. He is leading and guiding, and he is present in all of the details. And he provides a deep sense that all is well when your faith is rooted in him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends 
all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Even if the world around me falls apart, I can live with a sense of inner peace. I'm not moved and I'm not swayed by every news headline or every threat. My heart is stayed and I am experiencing the shalom of God. And I don't know about you, but I've lived on both sides of this equation. Times where I have not been walking in the spirit, where I have not been actively trusting and seeking him. And everything in my life feels like just chaos and disorder. And there's just an angst and a heaviness to it. And it's really hard to make sense of things. And then there have been times walking in his spirit and, and trusting him through his Grace, where I face circumstances that should have taken me out, should have had me slipping and falling on my face. And yet I just looked at him and thought, eh, it's okay. God is good. And you see, that comes by this pursuit of choosing to, rather than just to be anxious and uptight about everything, but in everything, bring it to him because he will provide through his peace and understanding that far outweighs anything that we could ever come up with in our feeble minds. We strive and we fight and we look to gain control and understanding, but God's saying, I've got that if you will just trust me. And I can guard your mind and I can guard your heart in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. Come and talk to me. Bring it. I'm ready to give you some peace. The world around us is going crazy. And the enemy would love for us to be intimidated and threatened and uh, just called away from the things that God has called us to do because of fear and uncertainty. But peace says, God calls me friend. And death, that's not the end. What can shake us if that's our perspective? Can you say that you've experienced this inner peace? Are you finding shalom in your life? Is the peace of God transcending your understanding, your thinking? Or are you finding yourself just a bit anxious about everything and again, the ground is getting really slippery and you're spending more time face planting than standing firm. We can't conjure it up. We have to pray in the spirit and we have to ask God for it. So again, I want to take time and open up a moment for you to pray, for, for you to come to God, to bring whatever it is you're anxious about, whatever's on your mind, on your heart, whatever's heavy on your shoulders, whatever it is that's causing you to slip and to fall and to face plant. I want you to take a moment and just bring it to God and allow him to begin to pour out his peace so that you may find this firm footing in the gospel. He's saying, bring everything, bring anything. Just talk to me. So take a few moments to talk to your heavenly father. And I'll pray for us again in a second.
Father, forgive me for the many, many, many times that I have reached out and tried to just grab control of circumstances and to gain my own understanding and to gain my own footing. When you are so graciously holding out complete understanding in the gospel. Lord, move us to become people that would come to you with anything and everything. Before we even talk, before we even post, before we even write, before we text, God, help us to be people that would start on our knees with you. In Christ's name, amen. Finally, when we've experienced peace with God and we are finding the peace of God, we are now enabled to take our final marching orders. Upward towards peace with God, inward peace of God, now outward to offer peace for God. What our world needs now is peace. We should be wagers of peace But we first have to know it objectively and experience it subjectively. And when we do, we're ready to stand firm and start giving it away. Again, how interesting that this letter about war and and armor, Paul is labeling the gospel as the gospel of peace. And it goes back to this recalibration of who are we fighting against? Who is this war being waged upon? It's not a struggle, struggle of flesh and blood, but against the devil and the powers of evil. So while we should be clothing ourselves with the armor of God to resist and to stand firm against the devil, we should be offering the gospel of peace to the world around us. Romans 15, 3, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel of peace is about the rescue mission. And the call is to have our feet fitted with readiness. We need to have peace with God. We need to ask God to have the peace of God so that we can now share peace with for God and offer hope to a dying world. The belt of truth asks us, what what does God say? Regardless of how we feel and what anyone else says, what is it that God says? The breastplate of righteousness says, Jesus covered us when we least deserved it. And in him, we are found righteous. And the gospel of peace has led us to a place where we say, let's lead the way in what it means to pursue and provide peace, even for people who don't deserve it. Again, the world is just crazy and the ground is slippery and the world continues to lean more and more that way and the fight to stay on our feet is becoming more and more challenging. But the mission and the calling of the church has not changed. And the shoes were made for us to stand our ground. When it comes to the the gospel of peace, it's a readiness to stand our ground and to offer peace. What God has done for us, it's now time for us to offer to others. As we wrap up, I want to give you one more moment to pray. And I just want you to ask God to give you a vision 
for your life, your sphere of influence, the people that you are interacting with? What does it mean for you to be outward facing, to be someone who is offering this piece of the gospel? And I'm going to ask you to be specific, name names and ask God for opportunities this very week. Take just a moment to pray. I'll pray again and then I'll wrap us up with just a couple of very quick thoughts. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we live in this crazy world and it feels as if the ground is getting more and more slippery, God, I pray that we would be wagers of peace and that we would be actively looking for and that we would be absolutely ready for the moment to hand that to our friends in need. Lord, I believe that you have left your church here to be the hope of the world, to be the light on the hill, to point people to Jesus. So God, please, please give us the boldness and the courage that we need to do that well, to seize this moment in time and history, to be different, to be about the peace of the gospel. Thank you so very much for your love and your grace for us. In Christ's name, amen.